This week on the Back Table Podcast. I think in general, uh, as Arun sort of alluded to, I think we're uh, actually in a particularly good place. And uh, with this uh, chronic venous discussion that's sort of come up recently and more uh, with our specialty, there are so many more things, I think, on a, on a whole that we can actually do. Uh, we can try all these different veins. We can rekenalize these things. And we're incredibly talented in doing these things. Uh, we just need to do it much more often, I think, and, and be a little bit more aggressive at times, I think. Hey guys, this is Chris back from the Back Table Podcast. We're coming to you from the Exhibitors Hall at SIR, Austin, 2019. I have uh, two bright IR guys with me today. We got uh, Arun Jagannathan and Jeff Chick. We're gonna be talking about uh, difficult vascular access cases today. Um, I'll just take a moment to uh, recognize our sponsor. Uh, this podcast today is brought to you by Access Vascular. Access Vascular is a developing a suite of venous access devices that use a novel biomaterial design to minimize the foreign body response. Um, you guys can learn more about this at accessvascularinc.com, and we'll have a link to that in the uh, show notes. So without further ado, um, let's uh, go ahead and introduce uh, the two guests today. So Arun, if you want, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Yeah, so I am a uh, private practice uh, IR doc. Uh, I practice about an hour south of Chicago. I'm part of a kind of a large multi um, multi-specialty private practice radiology group that covers the uh, majority of the um, central and kind of north central part of the state. So my practice um, at the hospital that I'm at is uh, kind of mid-sized community hospital. So I see a lot of bread, bread and butter IR. Nice, nice. And uh, Jeff, will you go ahead and introduce yourself? Of course. Hey, everyone. I'm Jeff Chick. Uh, thanks for having me again today, guys. Having you back again yeah, exactly. today. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so previously, I was practicing at the University of Michigan, which was a complex tertiary care center where we saw a high variety of patients with all kinds of venous access from easy to incredibly difficult. Uh, now I'm in a uh, large private practice group uh, outside of DC in the Virginia area. Uh, and it's also a pretty high-end uh, community practice as well. So we see a lot more venous access patients. And again, we see a variety from uh, relatively straightforward to uh, a variety of complex patients as well. Okay, nice. Okay, so uh, let's just jump right into this topic. Um, so what is, uh, Jeff, we'll start, we'll start with you. What is your definition of a diva or a difficult IV access patient? And how do these patients tend to present uh, in your practice, either at Michigan or in your current practice? Of course, so I have to say for the most part, uh, I sort of consider uh, difficult venous access patients are venous access patients that interventional radiology really has to intervene on. At a lot of uh, institutions these days, we have dedicated venous access teams, uh, which could be consistent of nurses or uh, physicians assistants assistants or nurse practitioners uh, that can uh, perform a variety of these uh, procedures safely and expertly. But uh, in, more pa in patients that are more complex that have to come to us, uh, those are patients that have failed access, have had repeated access, uh, have had long indwelling catheters. Uh, often these, uh, their venous access reserves are sort of limited. And so I consider difficult folks uh, ones that we have to intervene in that may requ require more complex maneuvers than the uh, standard run-of-the-mill pick placement or central venous catheter placement. Yeah. Arun, how about you? How do these patients present uh, at your practice? Yeah, exactly, exactly as uh, you know, Jeff had mentioned, we have a vascular access team. So basically, if I'm getting a call from the vascular access team, then there's a, it's a diva patient. Okay, that's fair. Um, and Arun, uh, what would you say, what, uh, what 
proportion of your patients are difficult IV access patients and has this changed like in the course over uh, the last 10 years or has it been kind of steady? Yeah, I would say since uh, when I was in uh, radiology residency, actually, we were back at, back at, that was probably 15, 16 years ago, um, we did not have a vascular access team, so we as the residents rotating through IR actually placed every pick line. We were actually looking forward to placing pick lines, so um, from my perspective uh, back then to where we are now, the number of patients that we're seeing that have repeated accesses, that have depleted veins, um, that are chronically ill, that are you know that are surviving longer and uh, surviving longer with their disease has increased tremendously. You know, I, I, I think it's definitely much more of an issue now than it was even 15, 15 some years ago. Yeah, Jeff, same question. How about how about your perspective on like the proportion of like these patients and and same deal? Absolutely. So I think it's kind of hard to put an exact number on it, but mm-hmm. I agree with Arun completely. I mean, I'd say each day we probably see uh, two to five patients who there's been some sort of issue with placing a central venous catheter of some type on the floor or by our venous access team. I think a lot of time uh, these are dialysis or long indwelling catheter patients that because of this, uh, as Arun alluded to, because they're living longer, they've had many more catheters, uh, these tend to scar or cause fibrosis to the veins and eventually they're very limited options. Uh, so I definitely think it's on the up and up and we see many, many more these days. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, what is, uh, and, and Jeff, we'll start with you, what's your uh, general approach uh, to treating these patients? Like when they come in, either, either I guess if they're presenting, uh, either like the, the RNs, PAs, or nurse practitioner, advanced practitioners have failed, and then they come to you. What's your kind of your approach to uh, beginning your work up and your intervention? Exactly. So I think uh, the initial thing is to try to figure out what is the true goal of therapy that you have here. And I think that's uh, something that some folks forget uh, quite often. So there are some pretty nice guidelines out there. The Michigan guidelines uh, have looked at uh, central venous access in many, many patients, uh, thousands of patients. Uh, And those, I think, are helpful, although they're quite lengthy. Uh, So something to consider is what is the true goal? I mean, is and what is the length of goal? I mean, if this is a patient that just needs intravenous access for a very short period of time, say less than 14 days, or say say a couple hours to days, maybe just a plain intravenous catheter is appropriate. If they need uh, long-term antibiotics or long-term chemotherapy, say more than a month, then say a PICC line is appropriate. So you've got to try to determine what the appropriate access is. Uh, and for the most part, uh, if it's a patient that's referred to us for standard things are failed PICC line placement, I think, what is the reason? I mean, uh, did they try both arms? So if they failed on one side, I consider trying on the other side. Uh, did they encounter resistance or occlusion? If so, a lot of times I just try on the same side. I have access to fluoroscopy. I have contrast. I have different ways that can actually uh, identify is there some sort of central venous obstruction that was giving them difficulty in the first place. And being IR physicians, a lot of times we're able to uh, traverse these things. Then I sort of think if you can't do arm access, if it's a pick is appropriate, but uh, arm access is not really available due to failures or they are dialysis patients, then you have to think of other things. Can you do internal jugular access? Uh, and then I tend to go to translumbar access typically uh, as opposed to groin access due to the higher risk of infection with groin catheters. And then lastly, I think some folks do say transhepatic access for various things. Sure. 
Okay, Arun, uh, same question. So something like a, a failed pick line from the RNs or nurse practitioners, and then that patient comes to you. What's kind of your standard approach or you know algorithm to starting to work up this patient and then you know finally finalizing their treatment plan? Yeah, so Jeff covered it uh, very nicely. So my first question is going to be, you know, had we how many lines have we placed in this patient before? Have they had a lot of catheters in their arms? Had they had a lot of midlines, pick lines? Which side? Which vessels? What vessels did they access? Is this someone that, you know, in the old days, maybe a few years ago, I would have thought that, uh, you know, maybe my, my approach would be try to recanalize, open up whatever strictured vessel they got in their arm and throw another pick line in, whereas now, I may be a little bit more inclined to do a tunneled, uh, you know, small bore central catheter in the IJ and just try and preserve that vein instead of trying to continue to use the arms. Um, you know, we we try to follow a little bit more of an algorithmic approach. Now we do use the Michigan, uh, you know, the Magic guidelines. We have uh, the Magic app, which uh, you know all of our vascular access team nurses are uh, privy to. So. A lot of times they've already done the appropriate uh, screening of these patients and they have the appropriate information for us to make the proper decision when they come to us. Um, but yeah, there's a number of things that we take into account before we try to obtain that access. Um, and obviously there's a huge difference between a difficulty uh, in obtaining a pick line access versus uh, some of these patients uh, that, like Jeff has talked about, chronic tunneled HD, uh, catheter-dependent patients that have literally no access and then we need to think about doing a, you know possibly a chronic uh, you know recanalization and uh, you know I've, I've, I've learned quite a bit actually from uh, you know from Jeff and Jeff's posts and a lot of his social media posts and a lot of the uh, a lot of the additional information that's been you know that's been coming out over our social media in the last few years regarding chronic recanalization patients that I would have just you know otherwise try to get a catheter in anyway even patients that I would have put a ton of lumbar catheter in now I may try to recanalization or refer you know to a tertiary center like uh, like Jeff's to have it done oh, nice how about this? Um, what about um, difficult IV access on inpatients that are either after hours or on the weekends? Like, what happens, like, uh, ruining your practice? Like, who who do those get referred to, and and how do those get are, are those are those treated any differently? So the vascular access team at our institution, at least, does not work after hours. They're not on call. So any catheter that would would be most appropriately placed by a vascular access team nurse will not be placed after hours, and we're not coming in after hours to place, All right. you know, a pick line or a small bore central catheter or a tunnel HD catheter. We will come in and place emergent central venous access if it's failed um, access attempts by other specialties that are in-house, for example, if you know, if the internal medicine intensivist cannot place it, um, if the surgeon cannot place it, then we'll come in and place it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Anything different? Uh, I think we more or less have a similar approach. Uh, for the most part, uh, we have vascular access folks that will help on the weekend, but usually in after hours, uh, we don't have these folks. So for the most part, we have ED physicians or intensivists that will place a non-tunneled central venous catheter at that time uh, if they truly need some sort of access. And then we may either do it the following day or uh, sometime in the future. Yeah, so they can get in whatever they can over the weekend and maybe you follow up um, exactly. on Monday or something and then clean it up. And, exactly, and just something so they have access so they can give antibiotics and then we'll sort of revisit it in the future. Sure. Um, so, Jeff, starting with you, uh, what is your go-to equipment to establish either uh, with PIC, central line access, and a difficult IV access patient? Uh, so, to be honest, for the run-of-the-mill thing, run things, I don't really have anything uh, in particular. I just use a either 
uh, typically place a four French or a five French single lumen or double lumen uh, pick. And uh, for, like I said earlier, the standard approach, I just uh, try to identify what was the reason why it couldn't be placed and try to overcome that, say, with a different wire or a different catheter, try to cross some kind of occlusion, try to, if I have to perform a little angioplasty, uh, do that as well. So I tend to place, I think, the same sort of devices as the vascular access folks, but maybe use a different type of wire under direct guidance, per se. And then, as Arun said uh, earlier, if it needs to be, I'll actually review all the studies and then uh, more or less cons uh, decide if sort of a central venous uh, recanalization actually needs to be performed, and if so, kind of go that route. Sure. So really what I'm hearing is you just use mainly the standard IR stuff that maybe the pick team doesn't have access to and then you're just placing whatever pick that is appropriate in terms of four or five French single lumen, double lumen. Exactly. So yep. I think I use the same devices. I just maybe with our guidance uh, and maybe a little contrast, I think uh, we're a little bit more uh, able to cross these occlusions or place these uh, same devices uh, successfully. Absolutely. Uh, Varun, same question to you. Um, any kind of special equipment uh, for PIC or central line access? No real special equipment, just as Jeff said, you know, if, I, if it's strictured, if I, you know, obviously I'll do a venogram first and take a look at the anatomy and look at the outflow and see where the strictures are. I mean, if it's an occlusion, I'm in all likelihood not going to, in that setting, decide to recanalize unless it, if the wire, if I have a glide wire and it crosses quickly and I can get a catheter across, a pick line across it, then I'll do it. If not, um, then I'll probably go to a tunnel central, you know, tunnel IJ catheter and then plan for um, possibly recanalization or something else uh, later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, oftentimes it's just the f having fluoro, being able to do venography with contrast, um, and then having a, you know, try a couple of different wires, usually a glide wire will get through most strictures. Sure. And sometimes it's just us trying a little bit harder and having access to x-ray that makes us more successful. Mm -hmm. So in the patients that are, are completely failed at PICS, and, and these are the ones that have escalated to like uh, your threshold for sharp, uh, sharp recan, how many patients um, in your practice room do you think you see in a month or maybe a six month period? Like how many patients actually truly need sharp recanalization as opposed to you just trying to cross with standard crossing techniques? For, I mean, the patients that need sharp recanalization are pretty much always HD, you know, mm -hmm. catheter-dependent patients that have had catheters. I, it's very uh, unusual, I think, at least in my practice, to have patients that have just had, you know, repeated pick line accesses that have, you know, significant central venous occlusions. Um, so, you know, in my practice, maybe maybe three or four in six months, so not a, not a large volume. Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Uh, I'd say in general the volume is probably pretty low. I tend to not do uh, sharp recanalization of any kind really for placement of venous access personally. I tend to only really do sharp recanalization if the patient has true, like say, clinical symptoms like they have profound SVC syndrome or something. Uh, but in general, I think there are so many other locations to place venous access. Uh, if you need to place it in the groin, if you need to place a translumbar catheter. So I tend to sort of reserve the uh, actual recanalization techniques and especially sharp recanalization if there's a true, true need, like they have profound swelling and pain. Okay, I get it. Um, all right, guys, uh, as far as like difficult IV access, is there anything that we didn't cover or any, any stone left unturned? Uh, Jeff, anything to close with? 
Uh, I think in general, uh, as Arun sort of alluded to, I think we're uh, actually in a particularly good place and uh, with this uh, chronic venous discussion that's sort of come up recently and more uh, with our specialty, there are so many more things I think on a, on a whole that we can actually do. Uh, we can try all these different veins, we can rekenalize these things, and we're incredibly talented in doing these things. Uh, we just need to do it much more often, I think, and, and be a little bit more aggressive at times, I think. All right, good deal. All right, guys, um, this is going to bring the podcast to a close. Again, uh, we want to thank our sponsor, Access Vascular, the, the manufacturer of the FDA-cleared HydroPit catheter. Um, in benchmark studies, HydroPIC has achieved a 30x reduction in thrombus formation versus uh, Bard's PowerPIC. You can learn more uh, about this at accessvascularinc.com. Again, um, we'll link to some of these things in the show notes, um, so you guys be sure to check it out. And if anyone wants to connect with us, again, our Twitter handle is at underscore Backtable. Feel free to reach out. You know, we always uh, love to hear from you guys and get your feedback. Um, again, want to thank our guests, Arun, Jeff. Appreciate you guys for stopping in. Thanks, Thanks. for having us.